This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We're in New Zealand. Good morning to you on this uh, Monday morning that begins uh, a week in earnest of uh, sport as we head towards uh, fabulous Saturday, Super Saturday, where, we're, of course, we've got to two of the great matchups which we've been looking forward to for such a long time. Uh, our show today uh, will preview um, some of that, uh, but we're gonna, also going to talk to uh, Keith Quinn. Uh, Quinny, one of the greats of all time, uh, one of the most uh, researched and highly regarded uh, sports commentators uh, we have ever produced and the world has seen, uh, is with us. Um, and uh, I'm going to talk to Quinny about Wellington's dominance. Uh, he's a Wellington man through and through, um, and about the World Cup, of course, but uh, Quinny's been there, done that, talked about it. And commentated it, so uh, we'll be catching up with him very shortly. We've got a multi uh, around about uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, we've got uh, an opportunity for you to call in. Of course, you'll be eligible for the Friday freebie, um, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, what's coming up now that we are in the week that really does matter. Alex Gruskin comes to us from uh, the United States. Uh, he's uh, got a, a website or a podcast called Cracked Rackets. Cracked Rackets. Alex uh, will be with us on. Um, uh, the US Open, of course, because we're down to the round of 16 and uh, some have already been found for the quarterfinals. Tom Bartlett on the bulletin this morning. Uh, we'll have uh, a, l- a little chat with Vossi, as we always do, on a Monday after 11 o'clock. And uh, we shall uh, also have a stump smithy as well in the last hour. So plenty to get through as we look back, but really look forward uh, to what's coming up this very special week in sport. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, all the BS aside, folks, this is the week that matters, and I have no idea if it was orchestrated or written in the stars, but it will be made against mate this Saturday at Blue Bet Stadium in the Blue Mountains. Webby vs Cleary, Apprentice vs Master, Warriors vs Panthers. Those that are dreaming of a win against those who absolutely know how to get it done. Several t-shirts worth, in fact, to prove it. And Little Cleary, who will orchestrate much of this matchup, well, he grew up watching the Warriors while Big Ivan was coaching them. Meanwhile, at Stade de France, uh, which is a fair old hike from the said Blue Mountains, it is the most anticipated game of rugby for us, well, I guess for almost four years, right up there with Scots College to see if they can actually pack down a legitimate scrum. Incidentally, that's a, a Saturday morning appointment for all of us. If I said to you that you could only watch one, one this weekend, uh, what would it be? Would it be the Warriors? Would it be the All Blacks? It'd be an interesting poll, wouldn't it? Uh, one thing the Warriors and the All Blacks uh, will have in common is the underdog tag. Penrith are always favourites in this matchup, but the All Blacks, after that last beating by the box, can hardly be fancied against the French. Uh, you couldn't back them, could you? Uh, they won't be getting any of mine, which is a worry because with the state of the game in this country, this is probably the most important of all World Cups thus far. The last thing the fans, the coffers, and most importantly the youngsters need is an early exit from our flagship. The Tall Blacks couldn't make the playoffs in their world championship, but that'll not stop the growth of the game of basketball in this country. 
Should the All Blacks bow out soon, I'm not sure there'll be any guarantees with the oval ball low. Wellington with a 50, not many people would have picked that score line, 56-27, as I said earlier, it can be very cruel our game, no way that counties deserve to lose by that much, Wellington successfully defend the shield and get the points in the Bunnings NPC, 56-27, Wellington over counties Monaco. Well, sitting top of the NPC table with their perfect record still intact and the Ranfilly Shield back in the cabinet, Tamadi Ellison can be very pleased with the way his Wellington Lions tenure is going so far. The defending champs no doubt have a target on their back so far this season, but in six attempts they've managed to repel every challenge put towards them so far. Counties Monaco are the latest to leave the capital empty-handed after that to pasting at the weekend. A team in this sort of form deserves a very special voice to celebrate them. So we've gone to the top proud Wellingtonian legendary broadcaster and passionate rugby man through and through. Mr Keith Quinn joins us. Good morning to you, sir. <laughs> Good morning, Smithy. Nice to be with you, mate. It's uh, nice to be talking about Wellington rugby at the moment, uh, Keith Quinn, because you've, you've been living and breathing it for a long period of time. How are you enjoying this little period of Wellington? I can remember when we won the Shield, uh, wait for it, Smithy, in 1956. And I think we lost to a horrible, horrible thing coming down from Auckland. And uh, they had their supporter was a big penguin called the Great Orc. And they beat us 9-6 on Athletic Park. Uh, and I think it was all penalties. It was a lot of that stuff. But 1956 was a great year because we beat the Springboks. So it's that Renfrewly Shield result is kind of tucked away. But, yeah, this is a big... This is a big thing for uh, Wellington Rugby at the moment. However, I've got to say, Smithy, I don't know if the people down here appreciate what they've got. Uh, if the crowd at the stadium, and it's not a giant 55,000-seat stadium. It's not as one like they're going to play the Rugby World Cup in. It's a 35,000-seat stadium. I know what it's like when it's full because I saw it in the women's soccer a couple of weeks ago, women's football, but uh, the, it's empty for these Ranfilly Shield matches. Uh, and we've got a great young team, which is well worthwhile going along to watch and celebrate the game, the great game, following the bouncing ball. Well, that 56 Shield Challenge, I would imagine, was packed to the rafters Athletic Park back in the day. They'd have been clinging on to the top of the Millard stand, Quinny. What has happened to get it to this point that you were just talking about? Where has it all disappeared from? Well, I guess we're only part of the uh, malaise that has uh, come into a lot of rugby uh, around uh, the country and around the world. There's other things to do on the weekends. Back when I was a kid, there was nothing to do on the weekends. It was the, the shops shut on a Saturday, uh, Friday night. They didn't open again till Monday, uh, and uh, the pubs shut at six o'clock. So uh, you couldn't you couldn't take a drink to the rugby or anything like that. We were too too young anyway. So there was very little else to do. Shops didn't open on the weekend. That was the other thing. So um, so we just. Um, we, we went to our sports events. We either played them or went to watch them. And uh, so the crowds 
were there. Not many specialised different sports. It was mostly rugby and football in the winter and hockey uh, and in the summer cricket and tennis. But apart from that, life was much different then and much more ordered. So people went to the events they followed. But these days, there are many, many distractions. There are distractions in sport. And it seems like going to watch a rugby match on a Friday night uh, is, is not as a high a priority as it used to be. Talking to Keith Quinn, folks, you will recognise the voice. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the great broadcasters our country has ever, ever produced. Uh, Quinny, you've seen so much of it. How much uh, do we have to protect uh, the NPC level of rugby? Of course, back in the day, it was just, you know, province against province. Uh, they didn't have any fancy names. It didn't need it. But uh, these days, this NPC level that, uh, of rugby, how important is it to protect? Look, I tell you what, I like watching it. I really do. And I think that that's, that's one of the key things we, we have to protect. If someone uh, says to me, oh, there's a... Uh, is Otago versus Auckland. It's on TV, uh, Sky TV on a Friday night. I'll make sure, I'll try to make sure I watch some of it, or if not all of it. I like the uh, level of uh, provincial rugby in New Zealand. I like the super level that's, that's higher, but certainly I love the, uh, the provincial rugby. I'm not very sad that in these sort of reports that I read about the, uh, the, the look at the governance of the game, the word club is hardly cited anywhere because all over New Zealand, in little nooks and crannies and in the big cities and in the little country places, there are still rugby clubs operating, playing their little competitions. And on the wall of the warm clubhouses afterwards, you see people uh, admiring the photographs of the teams that have gone before. Uh, and that's hardly mentioned, not even mentioned much in this latest report. So maybe the, 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 the part of the game that's going to fall off the bottom is club rugby, and that will make me very sad, if not angry. Well, uh, it'll make a lot of people very sad and a lot of people very angry because, of course, where, you know, if you've got a first 15 um, and you know, schools, most proud rugby schools do have a worthy first 15, where do they go next after there? Well, I, I don't know. Your pre-match report said something. Uh, I was only half listening. I'm sorry, Smithy, about basketball, the rise of basketball. Uh, basketball bothers me as well because that's a very strong rising sport for young people, boys and girls, men and young women in New Zealand schools. But after they leave school, there's not a lot of competitions for young secondary school teams to go into and play. It, it just seems to be... a a kind of a full stop. I know that for basketball, for instance, you've got to have a, a, a court to play on indoors, but you can't really play basketball outdoors. Netball seems to be able to flourish outdoors, but I, I worry about basketball too. Everyone talks about the rise and rise of basketball, but uh, I don't sort of hear about it as a, uh, a country that has leagues of basketball competitions of uh, post-secondary school kids uh, being played. Right, OK. Uh, well, the pinnacle of uh, all rugby, of course, uh, starts this weekend, and it starts for us at uh, Stade de France uh, in Paris, uh, Quinny, and uh, it's the All Blacks uh, uh, v France, as we well know. If, you'd go, if you look to get into this World Cup, and you've seen all of the World Cups, 
You've worked on uh, quite a few of them as well. Where do you see the All Blacks positioned going into this World Cup? Uh, I see us uh, qualifying out of Pool A, uh, but I see us having to work quite hard because we, we don't know the strength of Italy. They played quite a good game the other day against Japan, and I was, I was quite impressed. And uh, so we've got to play quite well. We might drop a game against uh, uh, France this weekend because they they're a strong team. It's a home game for them. It's their World Cup. So they'll be even standing even bigger and taller as players on the field. Um, but if we then cross over in the qualification and play, uh, I think it's Ireland in the next qu- uh, quarterfinals level and lose that, we're on the early plane home uh, and hopefully that terrible scene that I heard about where the players heading home early after losing to France in 2007, they met the supporters going over to see them play in the semifinals. They met them at Japan airports in Tokyo uh, and it was very embarrassing. But uh, I just hope that we don't go out at that level. But it's a very even World Cup, as I see it. Uh, and it's going to be hard to make it beyond the pool play into the quarterfinals and then be winners beyond that. What uh, have you made? I mean, uh, two weeks ago or 10 days ago, we watched the All Blacks uh, run over by the Springboks. Um, what did you make of that performance? Was it was that a worrying sign for you, Quinny, or just um, was it just one to, to learn from as such? Yeah, you know me, Smith. I always got a, a boring story. Back in the when I went on the nineteen seventy six tour of South Africa, in the team with the All Blacks was Frank Oliver, who later became a captain, and his son became a captain as well. And Frank said to me one night, uh, "How come?" They breed these men over here so big in South Africa. What do they eat in their tucker that we don't eat in our tucker back home? And I said, I do not know, Frank. Now, last Saturday, Frank's sadly no longer with us, but last weekend we saw the South African men come out on the field and they were way bigger than our guys were, especially through the, uh, the, the second row. Whether you've got to get the ball from the line-out possessions, and they did, uh, and they 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 played the rules to a new use by having a kind of a run-on second forward pack, and uh, with uh, with guile and thinking w- within the square in a new way using their reserves, they outplayed us because the guys that we had coming on for uh, replacements. They like no disrespect to those lads that came on, Vi and Lord. They look like boys coming on to play men. They did. They absolutely did, Quinny. So uh, yeah, it was quite revealing, actually. And, and um, on, well, Earl Curtin used to say you can't coach gas, but pretty hard to coach against that kind of size as well. Well, you can't coach against meat because they had the, that first front row that was on. Uh, and then they went off at half to, halfway through the game, and the second front row came on, who were even bigger munters. We used to call look for monsters. Now we look for munters. And then the guys <laughs> in the second row, uh, the guys in the second row were giants. They were all the same guys. Frank Oliver used to say, "We see them Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday, in every game in South Africa." And they were playing 24 matches, and they were always bigger than we were. 
and he wanted to know what they ate in their tucker. And uh, so that's what you still have to ask now. The facts are they're a bigger race of people in terms of height in some areas of their uh, populace, and they're a bigger, wider uh, uh, personage in some other areas of their personage. So they, and then they use the rules, the laws of the game to a new way, and they can bring on a second pack. Now, they only had one reserve back, but uh, I've been around that sevens tour, and I saw this guy come in uh, one time, I played for them over the last four or five years I was on that tour. His name was Quagga Smith, and we thought, who's this mm-hmm. guy, Quagga Smith? What's his role? He was the halfback. Larry Islis did last Saturday as a flanker, and if South Africa had an injury to their little halfback, uh, he'd have gone off and hurt, and Quagga Smith, loose forward, would have come on and played as uh, as the scrum half. Because he's, I've seen him do it for five years. I saw him do it on the sevens tour. You know, the great Danny Craven, which everyone who knows about the history of South African sport knows about Danny Craven. Danny Craven played some of his tests as a halfback. He partially invented the dive pass. He also played some tests as a number eight forward because they've always had it in their thinking, the South Africans. I think they've put it on a back burner for a couple of decades. But last Saturday at Twickenham, they brought it out again to test it and run it through uh, and see if the New Zealanders can cope. And then they blinked and they were leading 35 to nil at one stage. And I thought it was going to be a nil uh, against New Zealand, which is an honourable score. Don't get me wrong, nil is an honourable score if you've played your guts out. Uh, thankfully, we got the late try to Roygaard, so he didn't get 35 to nil. But 35 to seven was a real hammering for us. And the Springboks... They work the system, and they'll be very satisfied with that score. Quinny, um, how would you go calling a game of rugby these days? I, I, mean, I would imagine you'd handle it with a plum anyway, but how would you go calling a game of rugby where 40 minutes now, because of the legislation, uh, because of the scrutiny from officials, lasts for an hour? I, I mean, an 80-minute game going for two hours, basically. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Dear old Bill McLaren, who old older people who watched the game. Remember, he was the, the doyen of co- commentaries. He used to say to me, don't forget, the cameras will sometimes swing on to people sitting in the grandstands who are the officials. So you've got to know their names too, Keith. You've got to know the names of the reserves and the the, the, the man who's sitting with a suit on next to uh, the princess and uh, all of that sort of stuff. You've got to know the names of everybody in the game. Now, there's 23 in each team that's 46 there's a reserves um, team on the field that's uh, of three or four on the field. There's reserves who look after them holding clipboards and notebooks just on the halfway line. Now you've got to look for the names and do your research and get the pronunciation of their names correctly of the other four or five, or was it six, in the TMO office upstairs somewhere. It's, it really is... Uh, I'm not necessarily complaining, but it's a new test for broadcasters. That's why you and me and all the other of his great many mates will tip our uh, hats to Nisbo and the boys when they go over and commentate this time. Mm. It's a challenge, all right, Quinny. Um, I've, I've got to say, it's been wonderful talking to you. What, what do you? Uh, I mean, I obviously retired these days, but what are you? How are you spending your time? 
Um, I, do, I, I write books, funnily enough, Smitty, about the Rugby World Cup. I decided to write a boutique book about each Rugby World Cup, and I get them finalised, and I've just written about four of them. I'm now getting to write about the 2003 World Cup. I'm writing about Johnny Wilkinson dropping a goal at uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground. I'm writing about uh, the guy... Uh, Sterling Mortlock, who did the intercept and run away to beat New Zealand and send us to the third place game. So uh, that's been uh, an interesting thing to write about. And when I finish that, I want to write about the 2007 World Cup because it gives me something to do and keep me thinking about the game. I, I go down and watch. I belong to the Wellington Football Club, the Axemen, mm. who you'll know from yes. Wellington, mate. And I go along and watch them every Saturday, and we came dead last in the competition this year, and we came dead last in the competition last year. But I don't mind because they're my club, and I go along and support them. So in my retirement years, uh, uh, Smithy, I'm graciously growing old. I'm never sick of the game. I'm excited about the upcoming matches of the World Cup, and I'll be there on the sideline for the Wellington Football Club, the mighty, mighty X-Men, uh, at the start of next season. I know you will, Quinny. It has been absolutely fantastic to catch up with you and hear you sounding so bloody brilliant like you could call a game uh, this afternoon, mate. Uh, congratulations on what you're achieving. I'm looking forward to those books. and um, uh, Stay well and uh, enjoy the World Cup. Eh? Thanks so much uh, for, for talking to us this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Smithy. Loved it. Cheers. Keith Quinn, folks, uh, that voice, that voice, that famous voice that calls so many... Great rugby moments, and there is a man, there is a man the rugby people should talk to, uh, who has had so much passion throughout the years at very le various levels of the game, and still gets out of bed on a Saturday morning, looking forward to going watching his uh, club team play. They're the kind of people, uh, I think, independent panels should talk to about passion in the game and how we get that kind of passion back. It's 9.24 here on SENZ. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We've got some great texts that have come in uh, on the, uh, the back of uh, talking to Keith Quinn this morning, but uh, wasn't it great to have him on? And uh, we're going to ask your calls uh, coming up after the news very shortly, 0800 150811. Now that we're in the week, and we've started the week, uh, what are you looking forward to? And I, I'm talking here about the All Blacks versus France. I'm talking about uh, the Wars and the Panthers as well. Uh, this is a very deciding Saturday, isn't it, uh, coming up this week? Or is it? I mean, there are games where we're going to get a second chance. I mean, you know, the All Blacks lose to France, so be it. Um, they're still in the comp, uh, as are the Warriors. They lose to Panthers. They're still in the comp. But just how important is this week? Uh, for those two particular teams. Uh, Patrick says, Morning Smithy, great interview with Quinny, certainly looking forward to the Rugby World Cup now. Yes, the Springbok forwards have always been bigger, as Quinny said. Uh, they were during the McCaw era too, but we did okay then. I think we sit pretty well in a head-to-head -head against South Africa. Bring on South Africa in the World Cup. Fitness and intelligent will beat a couple of centimetres any day. That's Patrick from Ashburton. Uh, interesting, uh, Patrick. And, and Brendan uh, from Woodville says, The biggest rugby story of the weekend Southland Boys High School becoming the champion, the champion secondary school in the country, and uh, with it they hold the Moaska Cup. 
I just think it's one of the terrific stories, one of the terrific stories of uh, rugby in this country, and goodness me, we're looking for them at the moment. So that is fantastic. Uh, Southland, congratulations to you. It is uh, now 9.30 here on SENZ. Here on SCNZ 0800 is our phone number. Right, we know that what week it is. It's the one we've all been waiting for, folks. Uh, what are you uh, going to be watching for in the All Blacks game? What are you going to be watching for in the Wires game? If you could only watch one of them, if someone said you've only got one option, what would it be? Uh, which would you choose from there? Because I think it'd be quite an even poll uh, as we speak. Um, now that we've reached the week, that week that we've all been w- waiting for, we've talked about the top four, we're making the eight, well the Warriors have done that, now what? And we've talked about the Rugby World Cup ad infinitum for the last four years, since the last one actually, uh, and uh, now uh, we, we get to that point of realisation. So I'd love to hear from your thoughts there on anything that you saw over the weekend. Dino, good morning to you. Yes, Nitty, we're um, live from Forsyth Bar watching South and under 19 having a crack at a very good Tasman side. 7-5. We should be taking a shot at goal, I reckon, but we're kicking into the corner, so good on them. But the um, Southland Rugby's on a bit of a high, as you know, with them winning that boys' schools thing. I hope there was some Highlanders buggers there, and not just all Kempies mates signing them up. But I don't know, but back to the real important stuff of this weekend, I'm a coach. I'm playing the reserves in both games. You don't win World Cups the first match. We learned that last year. And we're going to play South Africa. They don't want to play France. They play after us. They will lose a game if we win. So they get second. They don't want to go into some quarterfinal against France in France. And they're happy enough to play us. And if I was the Warriors, I'd do exactly the damn same. Like, it doesn't matter. You've got a life. Next week, you're going home. This week, you're on holiday. So go to Penrith's home ground. Enjoy the hot dogs and just put your reserve side out there and stack her up next week when it matters. Doesn't matter this week. Neither game matters this week. Don't play Savir. Don't play Smith. Don't play Mawanga. Don't play Will Jordan. And save them for a quarterfinal game when you've got to win it against South Africa. Because that's what's going to be in front of us. Rain, hail or snow. Okay, right. Uh, if you don't, that's uh, 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 what worries me a little bit there. Uh, though is combinations and continuity. That'll be what three weeks without any rugby for the the key combinations. That doesn't worry you. It's your job, mate. Doesn't worry me at all. Look at Khaleesi. If you want it bad enough, he hasn't played for twelve months. He looks like he was born with a ball in his hand. I just wish he was captain in us. He's not, and we've got a hell of a mission in the quarterfinal. That's how I see it. South Africa determine who plays who in that quarterfinal. And they're not playing France. I'll tell you that right now. Who's that coach that's on the sideline carrying the oranges? He's not playing France. He's playing us because he knows they can... Well, that no one knows, but yeah. he knows how to beat us. And I don't know that we've got the, the leadership to combat us. I wouldn't play Brody and I wouldn't play Shannon either. They would wait till we play South Africa. Yeah, I think you're talking about Rassi Erasmus there, uh, and you're probably dead right. 
Okay, so if you, you're not going to play your big boys against France. What, do you, what would you do against Namibia then? I'd play the first 15 and play every other game until we play South Africa. I'd give them a hit out now, all the other guys that are over there carrying oranges and stuff. And then every other game, I don't care if we beat them 100 mil. I don't care. I want our team to get combinations in five games or four games, whatever it is. So when we play South Africa, that's as good as we can give you. And if it's not good enough, good luck to South Africa. Because the winner of that game will play France in the final. Okay. Interesting. It's an inter- interesting uh, theory that day, and I appreciate it. What, what are you doing rug- watching rugby at nine, 10 o'clock or 9.30 on a, on a Monday morning at the, at the stadium? What's happening there? Uh, Southland under 19 are having a crack at it. Tasman under 19, and you know what Tasman rugby's like, mate. They, they win everything, so that's a good game. I went for a walk on Friday night, and a lot of the lights on at Tahuna Park. You know, they made that all flash for the football women's thing. And I, so I went for a look, and Southland played Canterbury. Like, no, I didn't know. No, they don't advertise even this stuff. But it was a hell of a good game of rugby. Canterbury was just too good, but the young stags were belting away on the try line at full time. That's all you can ask. They're trying their guts out. They just got beat by a bit of mob. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Okay, Dino, thanks very much uh, for the update there and those uh, thoughts on uh, your tactics. Uh, okay, you've heard from Dean this morning. What would your tactics be? Who would you pick uh, this week to play against France in the World Cup opener? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I, I think we've got to just play. We just play rugby. Just play rugby, with um, for me anyway. I don't think we rest anything. Um, I, I think we just pick our best team and we go and play. Imagine the confidence we would get, um, and you know, from beating France in Paris. Imagine what that would do for the morale of the side, the confidence of the combinations, etc. To do that, if you don't do that, you're still guessing, aren't you? You're still guessing. What do you, in all honesty, if you do meet Namibia by fifty or sixty or seventy, what are you, what are you learning really there? Um, and as Quinny said. Uh, Let's not underestimate Italy either. Italy uh, is a nice little challenge, and then you have a fall-off again against uh, Uruguay. So yeah, I, don't, I think you go hell for leather against France. You go hell for leather against Italy. Uh, this is me. And I think you just perhaps pull back a bit on Namibia and pull back a bit on Uruguay and uh, play some players then. But me, for me, I don't know, Louis, what do you reckon? <laughs> Morning, Smithy. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Not sure if I can uh, quite follow what Dean's logic is there. I guess he was saying that he would rather play Ireland in a quarterfinal, but I just think once you start trying to finagle the uh, draws like that, it gets to... I mean, you, first of all, you put bad juju on your side, don't you? Although it seemed to work for Spain at the Football Women's World Cup because they got pumped 4-0 by Japan, and I think in hindsight now we know why because they were happy on that side of the draw. So, but, but I don't think... I think when you start to r- run that gauntlet, you kind of ask for trouble. They've got to go in and make a statement against France, don't they, to put the fear up the rest of the teams in the World Cup. And especially after that South African performance, do I think they can do it? No. I actually went through my draw yesterday of the Rugby World Cup in the paper in the Star Times and, and, and kind of had a little look. And I don't think they'll beat France. And... I mean, it's a bit early in the week for predictions, but I don't think they'll beat Ireland or South Africa in a quarterfinal either. But I think you've got to try to beat France and you've got to play your best team to do it. I totally agree. I, I mean, it's, it's a World Cup. Uh, it's a World Cup. I mean, it's what you, you're hanging out to do. I mean, and uh, uh, there's all sorts of strategies involved in it and keeping your powder dry and 
not playing all your cards. But if if you're not if you're not going to play all your cards against France in France in a World Cup opener, you know where is 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 the game lacking something meaning something different for me? I, this is what I don't quite I don't quite get, Louis. I mean, you know, mm. this is. This is the game. Uh, I, game. I don't think... No, Smithy, don't worry. You're not playing Czech and they're not... Uh, Czechers and, and playing... Uh, the All Blacks playing chess. I, I think Dean's just come up with something a little bit left-wing there, which is uh, from from the side, which is fair enough. I mean, I just think you are right. Don't overthink it. They're going to play their best side and they're going to try and win at all costs. Keith Quinn, what an icon. Peter Mack, and I totally agree. Lovely to hear Quinny's voice. It was actually, and and you know, he's all over it, isn't he? I mean, you know, still writing books about World Cups. Um, you know, eighteen years ago, twenty years ago, um, a lot of it will be out of memory, a lot of it will be out of research. But just putting those together, uh, he's a prolific writer. When he has been over a long, long period of time, and he's you know a very, very clever man uh, and well researched. I don't know if you ever and you know listening to that story he said about Bill McLaren and Bill McLaren as he said, was uh, a doyen, an icon of, of world rugby commentary, saying, look, you really do have to know the name of the person sitting next to the Queen or the King or whatever, you know, just in case the cameras go on, and they will at some point. And that is um, it's the point of difference that, you know, the great old commentators had, older commentators had with perhaps a new breed today. But I think they're much better researched. They're much well-read on the game as such. Uh, our guys get to sit on panels, and you know they they go on TV magazine shows, etc. And that they, they they don't the level of research is face value research compared to what it was back in those days. Deep, meaningful, because and to get that you you didn't Google someone, you, you actually read about them. You know you researched them deeply and read about them, um, and you just didn't Google it or Facebook it or something of that nature. I mean the. The style of research has changed markedly, but back in those days, uh, they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, Quinny is, you know, he called, well, he called the '87 World Cup just outstanding, called it, and now here he is having opinions on a World Cup 36 years later, just as good, staggering, absolutely staggering. Uh, a lot of text uh, coming in, uh, Smithy. Just a note for the first time ever, a non-Auckland secondary school has won the National Rugby League schools title with St Thomas College from Christchurch beating the all-conquering St Paul's from Auckland. The second NRL team in Christchurch is looking good. Good on you, Paul. Like it. I like it. It's uh, fairly cool. Uh, Kevin says, morning, Smithy. How good is Saturday going to be? All Blacks baked and eggs with latte. Uh, Warriors at nice roast lamb. <laughs> My new, new favourite, Robin Mondavi Chardonnay. And cleaning up at Randwick or Flemington during the day, Smithy, you just cannot beat a day like that. Louis, that sounds like the uh, kind of day at the office for you. Well, we've got the, the first group one at Hastings as well. Pony said, Louis, don't tip anything. None of your horses have come in for me for months. We obviously didn't take my one best bet of the weekend, Pony, which was it's business time in the weekend. Um, but maybe <laughs> so we can't quite get on the same page, Pony, so don't stop trying because every once in a while we do we do get one up. So don't don't drop the lip just yet, Pony. But, yeah, we've got the group one at Hastings. So think about this for SENZ on Saturday, Smithy. Rugby World Cup commentary, Daniel McCarty in France. We've got the mail run to preview the big day of racing. We've got the good oil to play all the races. Then we go straight into Sam's call of the Warriors against Penrith. 
I mean, that is probably the best day we've ever had. Oh, and then, and then you know what? The night before, ODI cricket, isn't it? Because the Black Cats play England on Friday night. Yeah, the Black Cats uh, will be playing England, and uh, they will be playing them at uh, Sophia Gardens in Cardiff. Yeah, they will. First of the four one-day internationals. Um, so there you go. Uh, Goldie says, look, they should definitely play possum against France. Definitely play for possum against France. Mm. Hey, Smithy, I got okay. one too. On Sunday. Yes. UFC yes, 293. Oh. How could Huge we weekend. How could we possibly forget, Brian? Well, apologies to you, all you UFC fans as well. Uh, certainly that, that will be on the agenda. It's 9.45. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we've got plenty more on the board to talk about. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. So our uh, Friday freebie was uh, not too successful um, because we only got one leg up and that was Brian's uh, UFC leg actually. Um, I, I've got to say I, I tipped the Rabbitohs uh, to beat the Roosters and that didn't happen. Uh, and uh, also the Manawatu margin of, uh, of uh, loss was uh, more so than the 20 points uh, that was uh, given by the TAB East Tasman 58, Manawatu 19 yesterday. So that didn't help either. So uh, we're up for grabs again this week and uh, all the calls, etc. and all the entrance into uh, Stump Smithy at 11.30 each morning. Uh, they go automatically in the draw for that one. Our multi today, though, uh, is around uh, Major League Baseball and women's tennis. So we're looking at the Astros to beat the Yankees uh, at a buck seventy. Uh, we're looking for Pagula to beat uh, Madison Keys at a dollar fifty-three, and uh, Anjabur to beat Zing at a dollar sixty-three. These are uh, the round of sixteen for uh, the ladies in the U.S. Open. So a dollar seventy into a dollar fifty-three into a dollar sixty-three. That multi's up at four dollars twenty-four. Four dollars twenty-four. Uh, right. Okay. Let's get across to the text board as well. Uh, South Africans are built like league players, uh, can play multiple positions efficiently, and multi-skilled athletes, New Zealand, New Zealand athletes, uh, seem to be very specialised. Yep, I think that's a fair point. Uh, great to hear the man bring back memories of the big sevens matches he called between Fiji and New Zealand. He just, well, didn't he just love those Fijians and the way they played and those Fijian names? He was absolutely brilliant. Graham from the Wairarapa says, look, Smithy, we ease off first France, then lose to a shock loss to Italy, and we're gone, burgers. It's a Graham, yeah. I don't think we're in a position of just picking and choosing. I think we just play. And if we're good enough, so be it. If we're not, so be it. Uh, Mark says, well, I'm sorry, but the Warriors will go out in two. They're going to suffer for having a soft draw last 10 games. Penrith by 20, easy. That's Mark. Right, okay. Marshy says, uh, Smithy, the Hawks Bay Tui did us proud yesterday against Canary. I think Canary had 12 black ferns, but we held on and came back in the second half and scored some good tries. Great effort for our Wahine to make the semis in their first season in the first division. Thanks, uh, Marshy. Yep, well done, guys. In fact, I think in their first game against uh, Canterbury, they were Polacks. I think 80 points they put on them. So that is a better comeback. You're right. Um, Kane has come in and said, Morning, Smithy. As I've done all year with Rugby Union, I'll only 
be watching the highlights of all the games. Why on earth would I sit through 90 to 100 minutes of stop-start rugby when I can get all the reaction from the game in a 30-minute highlight package four hours later? There's only one game worth watching this weekend. Uh, it's up the Waz, Saturday, 6 p.m. It's 9.53 here on SCNZ. Wellington, get all the sports coverage you could ever want on 7.11 a.m. or on the SENZ app. You know me, yellow and black, front to back, just like you. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, we're about a minute out from the news here uh, at uh, 10 o'clock. But, Louis, I was, I was watching uh, with interest the Rangiora Showgrounds at the weekend. Canterbury 29, Taranaki 28. So it was a hell of a game of rugby. Uh, but I think from George Berry's point of view, uh, it looked uh, a relatively su- su- uh, successful promotion. The crowd uh, looked a very good one. And for Ca- North Canterbury Rugby's point of view, it was a successful one because uh, the 100th playing of the Southbridge Shield, 26-13 North Canterbury beat Ellesmere. So uh, as an old boy, very, very proud and, and so stoked that Rangura, and I, I watched that with keen interest and I thought that it looked great, had a great atmosphere to it. And then how about that? The script was a fairy tale because Taranaki shanked one from 10 metres to the side of the post and... It's a lay-down misery. <laughs> the, the power of Rangiora, eh? The draw, <laughs> the magnetism of Rangiora. How would you miss Ooh. a kick like that? Goodness me. Okay, coming up at uh, 10 o'clock, and uh, after the break, we're going to head to the United States because uh, the US Open is into its second week, and we're into the round of 16 in the men's and the women's draw. That I'll give you to start. Of course, at the end of every season, there's a year-end finals for both the men and women. Coming into round number four, 11 of the top 13 women and 10 of the top 13 men are still alive in New York. It means we're going to have a really fun second week of action here at this event. Look, we were never going to ignore you. Uh, we just thought, well, <laughs> th- what do you, we thought to ourselves, would even bother answering the phone for us in, in week one? I mean, it's probably taking so many calls from around the world, so let's... Let's see if he's available first thing uh, in the second week. And honestly, Alex, uh, this is an interesting time for uh, American tennis because you've, you've got a fair representation on the men's side of in particular uh, with uh, Ben Shelton getting through over Tommy Paul. But you've got Francis TFO in action and Taylor Fritz as well. So uh, you'd be pretty pleased in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe Tiafo just finished out a straight set win over Rinky Hijikata. I would point out Hijikata, a former North Carolina All-American dear friend of our programs at Crack Rackets. He was the first Australian wild card to make the round of 16 at a major since Nick Kyrgios did it back in 2014. So first time in about a decade, really good event for the 22-year-old. But for the Americans, I mean, this is the slam we've been waiting for for almost two decades. You mentioned it, you know, with Tiafo, uh, Fritz, Tommy Paul, and Ben Shelton all making the round of 16. It's the most Americans to do that in men's singles since 2011. So more than a decade. And, you know, we're guaranteed now an American semifinalist as well with Tiafo playing Shelton. And, oh my God, are those two going to work the crowd? That match is going to be magical. You know, Jessica Pagula plays Madison Keys, two Americans going head-to-head tomorrow. Coco Goff, a winner today over Wozniacki. It's, a, it's the most fun in my life. I mean, look, 
was I alive in 1996, 97, 98 for Pete Sampras? Yes, I was alive. I was very barely potty trained. And so for a generation of American tennis fans, this is the first time they've gotten to, dare I say, enjoy the back half of an event like this. And it makes it a really special time. What did you make, uh, even though she's gone this morning to Coco Golf? What, what did you make of the return to top flight tennis for Wozniacki? See, I thought you were going to ask me, you weren't potty trained till you were three? Like, isn't that an issue? And I was going to say, <laughs> no, I was probably a little before then. Just I wanted to do some nah. cleanup uh, on that. But was I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. She's 33 years old, and it looks like she hasn't missed a day. And I know she lost to golf, but... To have the fitness come back that quickly, for me, that's always the hardest part. And for her, it is not. It speaks to she is a a generational talent, a future Hall of Famer. And again, at 33 years old, it kind of also speaks to where we're at scientifically. You know, science has taken a lot of heat over the past couple of years. I'm very much pro-science. I feel like that's that's an easy one. Um, And like, for a 33-year-old to be like, yeah, let me run on the treadmill, do a few sprints, like work the analytics, and make the fourth round of the U.S. Open. It's big win for science. Big win for science. Actually, potty <laughs> training a three-year-old. I mean, Louie, who co-hosts the show over here, is, um, is still having trouble with that side of things. So, uh, you know, the potty training at three isn't such a big issue. And, and of course, I brought it in. I brought I it in because, of course, it wasn't the Aki's had a couple of kids since the last time uh, we saw it at this level. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like That's my biggest fear, having kids, by the way, is being like, you don't know how to do this? Like... Can you figure this out? Like, this is important. And so, anyways, that's a me problem. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that is a you problem in the modern day parenting. Okay, let's look at, let's stay, shall we stay, before we get to the, uh, the ladies' side of the draw, let's just, just stay on the men's side here. Are we, are we looking to go to plan here? We've got Djokovic Goja, we've got Alcaraz Arnold, um, Medvedev Dumanov, Zareva. I mean, are we, you, you mentioned the seeds. So are we looking to go to plan here, or do you see something in the offing? No, I, I think we're going to plan. I think Alcaraz and Djokovic are the two best players in the world, and there's a pretty get big gap but before you get to three and four in Sinner and Medvedev. And, look, I mean, I know Djokovic had a little slip-up, but if you actually watched his third-round match where he came back from two sets to love down, his opponent, Laszlo Jera, was just playing out of this world. Like, it's just he was having one of those nights and then he came back to reality. Djokovic stepped up. I have no concerns for Djokovic coming out of that match. And look, Elkaraz has such a difficult pathway moving forward. And tomorrow he's got an easy one with the 22-year-old Arnaldi. But after that, he'd probably have to play Sinner or Zverev. Either match is tough. Then he has to probably play Medvedev. It's the third best player in the world. Then he has to play Djokovic in the final. And that, to me, is the only difference between the two of them, is Alcaraz has to do all of that, and Djokovic doesn't. And that would be the only reason why I'd pick Djokovic to win the event. But, I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. They're both so good. Like, Alcaraz is a superhero. I almost swore there. Caught myself. But Alcaraz is a superhero. Like, anything you think, no, that's not possible, he then does it. And it's just like, that's, that's the term. It's just like, okay, Superman could do that, and that's the list. Okay, so we look at this fellow. Um, you know, uh, what convinces? Aside from the fact he's a brilliant tennis player, does he have, does he have the mental 
side of things under control at this early age. I mean, there's still so much uh, downside to, to go through before he continues on his ups, you would think. But what do you see in him to say he is it? He is it now for after Djokovic goes. It's everything. It's, you know, again, the, the tennis itself, he's very, very good at. I mean, his four, this is so stupid. But if you ask me, Alex, give up the last three years of your life, but you can have Alcaraz's forehand for the rest of it. I'm hoping to play three more years of tennis moving forward. And to have his forehand for the rest of it, like 87, 88, 89 aren't that fun. Like I'll take a tight 86 and have his forehand because, oh my God, it's something else. And that opens up the rest of the court to him. The drop shot, the backhand line, his ability to use his quickness to move forward. He has all the answers from a tennis standpoint. And then, yeah, it's it's the mentality. It's the fact that this kid has never quit on a ball. He does the seemingly impossible. He has a connection with crowds everywhere that only the big three have really had on the men's side in the past two decades. And he's 20. It's like that's – he's 20. It's just it, – he has it all. Right. Let's uh, uh, pop across the net to the ladies' side of things. And uh, now we know Coco's offer's gone through. Madison Key's having a, a handy tournament, but up against Pagula in the next round. It's such a good – it's such a good match. It, it's really, really good. And normally I would say take Jessica Pagula because Pagula's having a career season. She's third in the world. She won in Canada a couple of weeks ago. Played really good tennis to beat Svitolina in round number three. But Madison Keys is hitting the ball. It, she's just having one of those two-week runs. And when she does that, it makes things very scary because she has, and I don't say this lightly, Serena Williams' adjacent levels of power. Like that just ability to take the racket out of opponents' hands. That said, Jessica Pagula has been so good this year. So good. And it just feels like all the stars are aligning for her to get a real shot at the title at this event. And so, you know, I, again, it's Labor Day here in the United States. Monday, everyone has off. Clear the calendar. Sorry, kids. We're not talking. I got to watch tennis. Um, this just, by the way, this whole show is an evidence of why I'm not ready to be a parent. Um but I would say, you know, again, clear the calendar because this is the all-American matchup everyone's looking forward to. Right, yeah. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's look at the other aspects <laughs> of this. Angebeer. Angebeer is Zing. Uh, we've got uh, Kasatkina and Sabalenka mm. and, of course, Shriantek and Ostapenko. Who, who, who prevails here, the seeding? Well, I think Sabalenka gets through comfortably. I think Jabur has just, you know, she's really, she is, I think she spent eight hours on court total in her first three matches. I just don't know how much gas she has left on the tank. I think the 20-year-old from China is really, really special. And so I think Chin Wen pulls off the upset. But the most fascinating match is the one you mentioned last, Sviantec versus Ostapenko. Iga actually has never beaten Ostapenko. Ostapenko 3-0 and in the career head-to-head. Now, they played last season in February. Iga lost to Ostapenko. She then went on to win her next 37 matches. So they haven't played since Iga's been Iga. You know, exclamation point, Iga. Um, I think Iga gets through, but Ostapenko's the sort of person who's just like, yeah, I don't really care what you're doing. I'm going to hit the tennis ball big, and if I play well, I should beat you. I think Sviantec wins. I do think all the seeds advance, but I think it's going to be a fun day of tennis. 
Let's look, look at uh, the overall personalities and the personality of tennis, if you like. Who, you know, when you look for your X factor, uh, your topics you want to talk about, who are your X factor players who are just not the metronomic robotic types? So who, who are the characters on the tour these days? There are a few. I think in terms of on court, Francis Tiafo, Ben Shelton, who are playing in this in the quarterfinals, their ability to make magic happen, to hit the ball 150 miles per hour, however many, you know, 200 plus kilometers at will to um, have that ability to just, you know, again, get loud and have a crowd inspired and start cheering with them. They're the best on the men's side. I mean, Coco Goff is just electric on the women's side, as is on Jabur. And Jabur is, they're both exceptional interviews off the court as well. You know, the problem in tennis is you spend so much time traveling from city to city. You don't really have time to get to know these people in their hometowns. But these on-court personalities, there are, and, and obviously Alcaraz belongs on that list. It's, I mean, his, mm. he is probably number one A on the list. But there is a really nice group of young players forming for fans to get excited about. You know, a, a top player like a, a Djokovic, uh, I, I just wonder how much. Well, I mean, how much he has to outlay. You, you see his, you see his players' box. Uh, you know, you, you've got so many high-priced individuals, and in what would his bill be for his support crew? Any idea? Have you ever done a study on it? Yeah, well, you know, again, it is fascinating because, you know, there's the cult of Djokovic and so many people buy into so many different things he's doing. And how could you not? He's won more than any player in men's tennis history. It is, again, tennis can be a little insular. You have to be selfish to be a very good tennis player. It has to be all about you, your training and, you know, your schedule to make sure you're having success because it's just you out there on court. And that's why it's, again, those players who through all of that still manage to perform well and put on a show. I mean, those are the players that will always have fans gravitating towards them. Do we see, uh, you know, one of the great things about watching tennis is uh, when the cameras focus in on the crowds and we get the great tennis personalities. I think Billie Jean King goes to pretty much everything that ever happened. Some Martinez <laughs> floating around. Do we, do, we see, do we see the Fed there very often? Do, do we see... Uh, do we see Rafa floating around? I mean, do, do, do we have the personalities, yeah, that, that, the more recent personalities? That's a great question. And no, I, I'm convinced there's a line item in the ATP budget because Rod Laver is still everywhere. Like, Rod Laver just gets mm -hmm. private play. Hey, they're like, bring in Rod. It's the quarterfinals. Um, and credit to, I mean, obviously, one of the game's great icons should be at all these matches. Um, so he was one of the greats always. Beyond him... I mean, I think we are going to see more of Federer moving forward. You know, we never see Pete Sampras. We, you know, there are a bunch of guys who we, we rarely see Agassi at these events. Um, I do think Federer, Nadal, Djokovic will be much more present than the, than the generation before them has been. And just finally, uh, as I speak to you uh, live, uh, Taylor Fritz is uh, about to get underway um, against uh, Dominic Stricker. Um, how do you see this going, a, a, a Fritz victory? Yeah, I, Stricker, 21-year-old, very talented. He went to five sets in both of his last two matches. I just don't think he has any gas left in the tank. I think Fritz advances very comfortably. And, you know, again, then you get three Americans to the quarterfinal, which just doesn't happen very often. It does not. It does not. But uh, what does happen is we get hold of you 
every single time, and you always answer the phone for us, which is great. Absolutely brilliant. We're talking to the editor-in-chief, folks. Yes, he is the editor-in-chief of Crack Rackets. And how privileged are we? How privileged are we? Uh, always a pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me. And, yes, now the major can officially begin. Yes, it can. It absolutely can. Uh, thanks very much, Alex, uh, as always, uh, for being so entertaining with your information as well. You're a, a terrific man and a great guest for us. Thank you, uh, and have a great remainder of the week. Thank you. You guys as well. Just uh, Alex Griskin there coming out of, uh, well, Flushing Meadows, really, uh, just keeping an eye on absolutely everything that's happening uh, across the board. Yes, it's uh, Cracked Rackets, folks. Cracked Rackets. Uh, intriguing. A very, very entertaining man. It is uh, coming up uh, local time here to 's behavior will be our very own Daniel McCarty who has his new show debuting tonight at six o'clock it's called Rugby World Cup today and Daniel's on the ground with Logan Swinkles in France as we speak it begins um, it's a feature on what is happening in this World Cup in terms of the build-ups they'll get inside stories uh, plenty plenty to dine out on that's at six tonight so that's edition number one for uh, Daniel McCarty and co over there in France. Right, uh, some texts to go through here as uh, we come up to 10.26. Morning, and I personally don't mind Dino's idea, but just imagine if both the All Blacks and France look to drop this first game. The game would look like a farcical shamozzle, and no team fears us uh, anymore with lost aura. I can see us finishing better than fourth in this. I can't. I can see us finishing fourth, unfortunately. That's from Brian. Uh, Jeff the ref has come in and said referee ja- Jaco Paper will suit the All Blacks style of play. Also, they know what they will get from Jaco as a ref. It's going to be tight. We have to win our set pieces and compete at the breakdown, but it will come down to discipline and who can keep 15 on the paddock for 80 minutes. Uh, All Blacks 23, uh, France 19. What a classic that would be, Jeff, if uh, that came to fruition. Interesting point. Yes, we do know uh, Jaco Paper very well. Very, very well indeed. So, um, good choice of uh, referee, perhaps, for us. Um, I, I, the fault for me, uh, Louis, and this is they did the draw too early. It, it, and we, we, did they not? I mean, if it comes to form, you, you want, you don't want one side of the draw absolutely smashed and then the other side of the draw just open up like, you know, the, the proverbial. I mean, it's just, that's, I think, where the initial fault for Did they have to do it all those years ago? 2020, is it? 2020, I think, I read over the weekend, or it's, it's a number of years ago. I'm actually going to talk to Robert Van Royen at the press about this tomorrow, Smithy. He's going to come on the bulletin because he's tipping Argentina to make the final because he says that their side of the draw is so farcical 
that there's no reason that they won't be in a semi final, and then it's a one game shootout to the to the final. Um, I guess the big winners is someone like Fiji, who have really surged of late, and they've got Australia and Wales and and England and, and Argentina on that side of the draw, and it, it really is quite meek. And then, then the big losers, a team like Scotland, um, who get stacked up against, oh, in, in a very, very tough draw uh, with Ireland and... Well, they've got, in their draw, they've got a real tough one, right? I mean, Thomas their easy game. Yeah, their, their easy game is, what, possibly Romania? Scotland's easy game is Romania? I mean, you're mm. going to take a breather against Tonga, are you? Good luck, you know? I mean, that is, without doubt, the most punishing pool preps in, I won't say World Cup history, but one of them. Uh, Brad has come in and said, look, uh, quarters Fiji versus England, South Africa versus New Zealand, Argentina versus Wales, France v Scotland. France v Scotland, that's interesting. No Ireland in the quarters. Wow. Uh, semis, uh, uh, Brad says, will be England versus South Africa, Argentina versus France, the grand final, South Africa versus France. So uh, we bow out, according to uh, Brad, and that is uh, against South Africa, who he says will go on to be the eventual winners. So he studied the pathway as well. Uh, Chris has said, I think the All Blacks will play their strongest team in three of the four matches because there are big gaps between the games. That's the other thing. Uh, that's that's the other thing which is uh, you've got point. to take into account. Yeah, I I, I think uh, you look at uh, you you look you play Namibia and then you play Italy and then you play Uruguay. Look, if we bowed out of the World Cup because of Italy, then you know just switch the lights off. To be perfectly honest, that's not going to happen. Surely, uh, what a terrible attitude from Dino. That would be a bad advertisement for both of these sports. It's finals time. Best team plays in all the big games. I'm with you on that, Tim. Absolutely with you on that, uh, because I deserve to be uh, having the best players on display in a World Cup or in a playoff situation in the NRL. I deserve it as a fan. You deserve it as a fan as well. Uh, morning, Smithy Brennan here. I'm looking forward to all the sport on this week. A massive Broncos fan. Have a soft spot for the Wars though. Big day at Hastings with Group One racing on Saturday, and everyone is forgetting Izzy in the UFC. Sydney on Sunday. Well, I tell you who isn't forgetting Izzy, and that's Brian Raddy, who is keeping a very close eye on it. And then every now and then, when we push up a, a contest between the All Blacks and what have you, or the Wars, he says, and don't forget in the back of our heads, we had don't forget uh, this weekend, a magnificent weekend for uh, you know the local city kickboxing. I mean, it's just phenomenal, isn't it, to have five fighters. On one UFC card, five, that is amazing in itself. And I'm sure that Brian will convince us that we'll do a UFC interview big time uh, before the end of this week. It's coming up to 10.30 here on SENZ. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Rightio, this is where Louis Herman Watt comes in. Uh, this is his uh, strong suit and a weekend of racing, which actually probably might well be known for retirements as opposed to performance. Louis, is that fair? Nature Strip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nature Strip. Um, he ran his last race, and, and Chris Waller and uh, Lions and the, the crew there involved. Of course, Steve Hansen involved. Um, 
good good people actually great people involved in, in the nature strip syndicate they um just decided that he had had enough and i think it's a really good call often you know we have seen horses race on past well past their best and it can get a little bit sad kind of like great athletes really and you know everyone's entitled to go out on their own terms and i guess it's a little bit different with an animal because you have to make the decision for the horse although is all good horse people will tell you the horse will tell you and I think he's I think he's probably had his time and um yeah, what an amazing career. Nine group ones, obviously the the amazing, amazing scenes at Royal Ascot when he was called Nature Stripe as he <laughs> won the uh King Stand sprint. But um yeah, incredible horse and, and um, well done to James McDonald, Chris Waller again, the connections involved. A great career. Dave says good morning, Smithy and Louie. Great sporting weekend. Just can't wait for the Punters Club to start up on the good oil again. Yes, well, well, well. Wouldn't we love to be able to announce something there, Dave? Unfortunately, we're still waiting. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, because it's Group 1 racing this weekend, Smithy, and uh, I guess that means that this time of year, as you well know, the big stables start to fire up. Stephen Marsh yesterday. Oh, Lincoln Lady at Harwater. He, he's got mm. a real smart one on his hands there. And the day before, Rickerton. Well, Tiako, they went, I think they went four from four. Every horse... Whenever they lined a horse up in a race down there, they had a couple in the same race. They won, including It's Business Time, who I think she's got black type group status written all over her for Windsor Park Stud in the ownership. Uh, it was over 1,200, I think, when she gets up over 1,400 in a mile. And, and I know she was, I've known she's a nice horse from her last preparation, but she was super. So I guess, Smithy, as we work towards the Super Saturday, we're calling it, you'll be on Weather Watch down there or up there. In Hastings, we're just wanting some good fortune and, and hopefully a dry track. What do you got for us? Well, I can tell you right here and now, there was three days rain forecast. That's gone. Uh, it has not happened, uh, Louis. So we're looking pretty darn good at the moment. Uh, I can tell you on this uh, Monday morning, it's uh, blue sky, a little little bit overcast, but there's no Come threat on. of rain on the horizon. So Come you're looking on. at, I think, a genuinely good spring track for the first day Let's of the carnival. Go. Okay, so uh, no disappointment uh, for that as well. Uh, Kevin has uh, actually come in, and I, I should read this out, Kevin from Thirangi, because he's a family friend. Uh, Finn Allen doing well overnight, absolutely, and we need him. We absolutely, and I've, I've been one of the guys barking at uh, Finn Allen's selection because he just hasn't shown enough. Well, we've got to see a lot more of what we've got from Finn Allen last night, but at least you can see when he uh, comes off, you can see what they see in him. But it's just got to be more regularly, Kevin, I'm afraid. Um, he, he's he got the shots, yes. He, it's the patience he was lacking. He's got to get back through situations. And when uh, Conway gets out first, he's got to realise his role's got to change. So uh, Jamison Bowell, uh, you're back, Louis Tippett's business time, put out on a green note, got back a red. So uh, Louis, not bad. Well, there you go. Crayfish. But, uh, crayfish, yeah, Kevin. Crayfish. <laughs> he, he got the cray, the big crayfish. Uh, very, very good. Uh, that's cool. Okay, well, we'll take uh, another breather. When we come back, let's uh, catch up with Tom Bartlett, shall we? It's Kiwi for the Rugby World Cup. SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime. 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Bulletin. 
Tom Bartlett is uh, with us on the bulletin this morning, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. Tom, good Monday morning to you, and uh, I don't know uh, whether it'll get as big a headlines as some, but um, a few texts suggesting us this morning, the biggest story of the weekend is Southland Boys High School, National First 15 Champions, rousing welcome, getting back to Invercargill last night. How cool. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Yeah, what a great result. Um, Southland uh, in the, the, the versus team competition, they have certainly had some close-run things over the years. Uh, and having been lucky enough to, to be involved and cover a bit of first 15 rugby over time, I've certainly seen them in action in the flesh uh, over the last few years. And, and this one, this one will mean a lot to them. It's a, it's a, it's a prestigious title to, to lift that national, to be the national champion. So it's a tremendous result, uh, Smithy. I'm sure they'll enjoy it in the deep south because, let's be honest, they haven't had a lot to, to smile about from a provincial rugby um, perspective, have they? No, they haven't. Um, yes, and uh, I think you're alluding to uh, what happened yesterday as well. Uh, Southland 13, uh, Auckland 41, and uh, uh, another weekend where we saw Roger Tuovasashek with a bit of space and uh, pretty electric. Yeah, exciting stuff, isn't it? I mean, just you're just giving a little bit of a of an idea. Yes, it's at a different level to to the one that he was. Uh, you know, truly tested at uh, in terms of the super super rugby competitions. But um, Roger Tovasishev is a tremendous talent, and you just get little indications when he gets the space like he did, uh, how dangerous he can be, and and what an asset he'll be to a very already quite formidable looking Warriors team anyway. But yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a frustrating one in a way, isn't it, Smithy, to, to sort of see him going so well uh, at the NPC and not being able to translate that at that higher level. Just the combination of of opportunities and time and obviously uh, the competition and, and the Blues and the places that he's been playing at in Rugby Union. But uh, you've just got little snippets there of just how good he can be. Uh, and if Auckland have any intention of going deep in the MPC this year, uh, then I suspect he will be right in the thick of it. Yeah, it's an interesting point uh, you raise here, Tom, because I, I he might beg to differ here, but I, I just find the whole two years of, of no Roger Tuovasashek really uh, is a bit of a waste of a great, great sporting talent, and I, I, it's just like a, it's almost a bit of a hiatus in his career, but not one he wanted. No, look, I think it's that's fair, fair comments. I think I, I don't think you can argue with that, and I'm sure he will look back on the time as, you know, with with fondness in terms of you know friendships made and the experience of, and he, he got to wear the, the black jersey, didn't he? So not all not, not all bad from his perspective, but right. you do feel a little bit like he didn't quite. It's obviously, quite clearly, it hasn't gone quite the way that he intended. Otherwise, he probably would have signed a new contract. And certainly, he'd be on the uh, the training fields of Lyon at the moment um, with the All Blacks if it had. But um, look, it, it is what it is. I, I just know that the the Warriors faithful will be they'll rolling out the red carpet. They'll have him back in in a heartbeat, and they can't wait for 2024. Absolutely. Uh, there was a couple of really cool results. I, I thought even if uh, Hawks Bay were on the receiving end of one of them, there's nice signs coming out of Northland. 44-21 under John Leslie. Uh, and then North Harbour as well, 39-17 dominant over Waikato. Yeah, look, I'll start on that Northland one. It's been a, a, a funny old time for, for Northland. They, you know, started the year with, with one coach who then left, and John Leslie's come in, obviously, with very limited time to get that squad going together. And they've got some wonderful players in that Northland team that, you know, we've seen them play at a higher level, but also guys who've kind of been on the fringe, the likes of Matt Maddich and Matt Moulds and, and guys that have played for, for the Taniwha for, for so long. And, 
you know, they are grinding out some good wins, and that was a that was a good performance on on Friday night. I think they they thoroughly deserved it. So, uh, good signs out of out of Northland and North Harbour. Look, they they're in the similar boat. They haven't exactly had a great run of results in recent times, and that went over Waikato. It's a good Waikato team at times that we've seen from from Harbour, and they sit above them on the on the ladder Waikato. So North Harbour, who have really struggled to kind of get their their season into gear, that's a big win for them too. So. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about the NPC and, and the, the sort of the lopsided nature of some of the results. And quite clearly, there's a there's a top four or five teams there: Wellington, Taranaki, Canterbury, Auckland, Tasman. You know, those kind of back to the lot, without looking to exclude anyone else on purpose. But you do start to see when you, you, you get results like that, North and one in the, the North Harbour. That on their day, if you can click into the gear, then the competition, you know, it can be competitive. I suppose the argument on the on the flip side, Smithy, is we just haven't seen enough of it. Speaking of clicking into gear, uh, Tom, um, I've been waiting for a little while to see the best of Finn Allen. We might have seen close to that uh, last night at Edgebaston and uh, the Black Caps needing uh, and getting a really, really dominant win. Yeah. Um, oh, he's, he's a frustrating watch, and I, I, I mean that with, um, with respect to Finn Allen. He's just obviously a, a tremendous talent, um, but we just, at the moment, I feel we're not getting enough out of him at that top top of the order, but when it comes off like it did uh, this morning, wow, well, he is he is some player. He hits the ball as cleanly as anybody you can see, uh, and really England they couldn't stop him. And that's the kind of dominance that that New Zealand really need. It obviously propelled them to a very good score uh, batting first, and then the rest was sort of was history, so to speak. There were some good bowling performances, of course, but when you have a guy like that can go in and hit from ball one, uh, so the, you know it much better than I do that. Uh, it's very hard to stop that momentum. Um, and I just hope that, that Finn Allen, as he looks towards the next couple of months, can, can channel some of the confidence of that. And then, yes, he's going to have some different services to play on. Yes, there'll be different challenges from coming out and from in terms of the, the different bowlers from around the world as the, as the World Cup uh, kicks off in, in India. But if we can get just some of that um, more regularly, then it's going to propel that Black Caps team to, to stronger performances. It just sets the tone. And, and I just thought after the, some, some pretty... Disappointing displays to start that England tour. Um, that was more like it, if you if you get my drift. Um, and he was uh, yeah. explosive and uh, and a thrill to watch. Tremendous stuff. It is. Uh, it's a good story. And uh, the other one too, Kyle Jamison coming back through injury seems to be growing uh, in each and in individual performance. So we'll see if he makes that uh, World Cup 50 overside or not, which can't be too far away from being named actually. Uh, what about Liam Lawson, second drive in Formula One? 13th last week, 11th, just missing uh, a championship point this week. Yeah, look, tremendous effort, really. I mean, we're talking about a guy here who's um, was called in very late in the piece. I know there's been a lot of talk and um, suggestions that Lawson was very close to Formula One in the build-up to, to getting that opportunity. But the point is, Smithy, he, he hasn't been in that car very long. Um, he has not had that experience. It is, a, it is new for him. And some of these guys, remember, have been whipping around the world in the Formula One car all year. So naturally, they're going to feel a bit more comfortable in the car. And, and for Liam Lawson to, to get that opportunity, um, first up last weekend, and then to back it up with an 11th and just fall out of the, out of the points for, for AlphaTauri was, was a tremendous result, really. I, I don't see how they can sit there and, and think, well, you know, he should be doing more. I mean, the guy's he's still getting to grips with the car. He's obviously a, a tremendous talent in the car. Uh, and I think it's really exciting. Uh, exciting for him. I think it's exciting for the sport. And um, like anything, though, he's going to need. He's going to need an opportunity. He's going to need a chance. Someone's going to need to take a chance on him. Chance on him if he wants to get a full-time drive. But all you can do when you're in it is 
is you know do the best you can and, and at the moment I don't think you can argue that that he is he's producing as well as they could have expected uh, and I'm reading this morning that um, Daniel uh, Ricardo might not be available for the Singapore race maybe so uh, some suggestions that Liam Wilson might get another shot which you know the more chances you get um, you know the more chances to impress those that you need to impress. I don't know if you saw much IndyCar this morning, uh, Tom, but if you get a chance, uh, have a look at Marcus Armstrong's last pit visit. It's uh, Well, if it wasn't Marcus Armstrong, we'd probably be thinking it's quite funny, but it wasn't. And in the end, if it had happened to Alex Palau or Scott Dixon out of the same team, I think uh, hell when hell to pay. But poor old Marcus Armstrong being the rookie, yeah, just have a have a look at it if you, if you didn't see it. Uh, the Warriors is an interesting thing. Speaking on taking a chance, they... Did they take a chance last weekend and um, and the fact that they sacrificed their momentum for the sake of some fresher legs this week? Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I mean, you, the proof, I suppose, in this, from my perspective, of Smithy will be, uh, you know, what happens in the next few weeks. Um, uh, I know that, you know, Andrew Webster and the coaching staff of the Warriors, it's a tough job to manage that squad through 24 rounds of, of pretty tough physical um, confrontations week in, week out. You've got to find a way when you can to give guys a rest. And I get that. I, I do understand that you couldn't just keep asking the likes of Sean Johnson and Bobby Harris and Adam Fanua Blake in particular to keep fronting and then peak at a grand final. So I do understand it, but I do feel, I just hope it doesn't doesn't hurt the, the, the rippling confidence that they had through the whole group. Yes, a lot of guys weren't playing, but the problem is a lot of them were playing. Uh, and there were a lot. There were a lot of them who did play, uh, and will have to front up in Penrith um, on Saturday uh, late afternoon for the time. So um, I hope it's not a, a problem for them. Um, I can see why they did it. Uh, would I have done it in the same situation? If that's what you're asking me, I don't know if I would have. I think I would have tried to keep the group together. But having said that, I, I'm obviously not in a position of of all the um, you know the medical reports and how everyone's going. But I, I hope from their perspective um, that that it doesn't. Um, and I think Andrew Webster, I suppose, at this point, one thing I would say is that, um, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're a, you know, a, um, a pundit or you're, you're on the couch watching and, and making your judgments, you, you, you know, you trust the guys. You, you can make those judgments if the person in charge perhaps haven't got the results. But Andrew Webster has come in, first-year coach. Everything at the moment he's touched seems to have gone pretty well for him. And yes, there's some work for them to be done do, but they're sitting fourth on the ladder. They're fourth into the playoffs. They've got a life in the playoffs. Um, at the moment, I think I'm sitting on the hole in Webster. We trust, trust me. Mm, I think you're right, uh, and I think uh, we have every reason to at this point. I just, I just don't like losing momentum when you've finally found it. But however, Tom, thank you very much uh, for contributing this morning on the bulletin. It's the start to uh, one heck of a sporting week. Cheers. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Smithy. Anytime. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Tom Bartlett there with us, folks, uh, as a part of the bulletin. Take a short break. When we come back, uh, Louis and I will perhaps uh, pick a subject or two and have a look at um, possibilities from uh, the TAB, shall we? Yes, I think we will. DNZ. Yeah, just time to have a quick look at uh, some appealing odds. Uh, Djokovic, $1.83. Alcaraz, 262. Uh, that's on the men's side. It's a two-horse race, the pundits, uh, or the pundits are saying. Um, and uh, Shwiantek at 270, Sabalenka 433 on the women's side of the draw, Louis. But you're, you're baffled by something coming up this weekend. It's got you uh, very puzzled. Well, I'm curious about the All Blacks game, Smithy. I don't want punters to have the piss taken out of them, naturally. The All Blacks have been priced at $1.82 favourites at the New Zealand TAB. I've just done a little bit of a look around the global markets, and I think that this is certainly the 
outlier. Uh, France, $2.02. I think some other markets have it pretty much split even. Some markets have France ahead. But I can't quite see the All Blacks being a dollar eighty two favourites. I would have liked to see the, the bookmakers at the TAB put them up at, at a price here and said, you know, let's let's take you on, let's have a go here. Um, and then, then interestingly, I found a special at the TAB, which is very cool. I like how they're doing this. Boosted New Zealand Warriors All Blacks Israel Adesanya all to win. And I was thinking, oh, here we go. We might get fifty to one here, or maybe not fifty to one, but twenty to one, twelve to one, twelve to one. Is that skinny for you? It's skinny. Going to the Blue Mountains, going to Stade de France. I think uh, Adesanya is, uh, he's the favourite in the group, isn't he? Uh, Vic, quite clearly the favourite in the group. Oh, 12 bucks. People will take that. People, optimists will take that. I think that'll get a, that'll get a following. Interesting. Right, we'll talk about the rugby league side of it uh, very shortly with our, our very own Andrew Voss. I call him ours because he's uh, SEN in Sydney. Um, but we're so familiar with his voice. Fossey next here on SENZ. The minor premiership. It's the Panthers again. Third time in four years. Well, they have got the blueprint, haven't they? The Penrith Panthers. And they, they took no chances in wrapping up uh, the minor premiership. Round 27 ended the regular season of the NRL. And while nine of the 17 teams will be warming up for their Mad Monday commiserations as we speak. Uh, the job is not over for the top eight, which includes our Warriors return to finals footy with a huge turnaround from the last few seasons and what already a successful year uh, for our franchise. No one outside the club predicted a top four finish. and Most had them squeezing into the eight at full possible. But Webby and his lot have showed we all knew they were capable in one of their most consistent years of footy ever. It's a celebration on the side of the Tassie as we look forward to the possibilities in the playoffs and we look forward also to uh, the results uh, from the Dally M Awards and the big dance to come on Sunday the 1st of October. Uh, let's talk to Vossi about this uh, who called plenty of uh, action over the weekend. Uh, Vossi, thanks very much uh, for your time this morning. In a round which uh, I suppose did tell a couple of stories, it finished a couple of arguments but... It also uh, looked at a number of franchises who sort of took it easy on their key players. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. By the way, when you say uh, got everyone excited across the Tasman, I think judging by the crowd on Saturday at the Dolphins game in excess of 30,000, let me tell you, I, I thought the majority were, um, were Warriors fans. Um, there's plenty here that are on board for the Warriors uh, for the rest of the season. So even if no one from across the Tasman, no one from New Zealand came to watch them play, there will be a, a strong core of support at wherever they play games on this part of the world. But, of course, in finishing top four, that is uh, locked in. They will have a home final, be it week two or week three. Yeah, from the weekend, it, I almost dismiss. Like, so in the case of Storm Broncos, and they're playing against each other again this week now, I, I don't think I take anything out of um, last week's game. Like, I, I don't think it means 1% bearing on to what happens, given there were 22 players out, at least 22. So, yeah, mm. very hard for tips to the final round when it was like that. But what I do know is, is teams that you thought um, were going to have a better crack than what they did didn't. And there's a good reason why Souths and the Cowboys aren't playing finals football. And I witnessed it in the last round. Can I state the bleeding obvious? Just not good enough. <laughs> and... Mm. Yeah, the Cowboys were down 26-0 at halftime against Penrith 
you know, in a game where if they win, they're in. And the Rabbitohs taking on the Roosters, uh, 13 errors from Souths, 16-12 uh, with 10 to go, just couldn't get the job done and miss the finals, having led the comp after round 11. So some major disappointments out of the weekend, but well done to the eight who were qualified. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they were the games I was uh, going to focus on because they they mattered the most. But um, in uh, over the weekend, what did we see? Yeah, the storm you've mentioned about um, of the contenders. Then of the contenders, um, now heading in, all of a sudden, what are you what are you liking? Perhaps uh, now that we've settled on the eight uh, outsides, perhaps Penrith outside yeah. them, well, and, and and maybe yeah. Yeah, well, we do need to talk Penrith, obviously. I, I stand by what I've said, and I've gone the early crowd. They win the competition. You know, Penrith have to play below their best uh, not to win for mine. I think it is Penrith and a space to the rest. Uh, but Parramatta mm-hmm. did show in round 26 that you have to try and get them off their game as well. And um, and you know what? I think the Warriors have the ability. I, you see, I, I made a statement this morning, our Monday morning segment, we have Cameron Smith and Greg Alexander, great analysts, but I reckon, you know, when I look at Warriors Penrith, if, if, I think Adam Fanua Blake can be the best prop on the field. You know, I think he can, he can um, show the way. We know how we know what we're going to get from James Fisher Harris. We know what mm. what we're going to get from Moses Leonard. But I believe Adam Fanua Blake then has a little X factor more so than those two blokes. So I think they can. I think they can actually win the battle up front, the Warriors. So where that goes from there, does that convert to points? Possibly not. But you know, I give them a hope there. The sides outside. Penrith. I mean, the Knights' form is so real. Nine wins in a row have scored over 25 points a game in all of those nine matches. You'd be you'd be shocked if the Raiders could trouble them at all in Newcastle on Sunday. So Newcastle are then going to go into the second week of the finals with 10 wins in a row under their belt and scoring mm. points for fun. And their defensive stats, are, you know, our numbers are holding up as well. Oh, look, I just see Cowboys 2017 and Eels 2009 in the Knights, I think. There's no reason why they will not go deep. And, like, that's week two, week three, week four. Um, and week four is the grand final. So really excited about them from the bottom of the eight. I don't necessarily like the chances of the Sharks. The Roosters have done well to get where they are. Um, and yeah, and I'm writing off the Raiders then. I'm, not, I'm saying they, they can't win. So... Of the teams left, of um, I'm really impressed with Newcastle playing great football. Brisbane a bit of an unknown because it's, you know welcome back, so we're not really sure what we're going to get. Melbourne, I think if they play Penrith, they they lose to Penrith. Let's say nine. I, I think Penrith's got Melbourne's measure. So I'm saying a team to threaten Penrith, it could possibly be the new the Newcastle Knights. Wow, man, who'd have said that? Uh, not that long ago, actually. Um, yeah, it was interesting uh, that Roosters um, Rabbitohs game because it has feeling anyway, but it did have the most meaning perhaps of the weekend as well. And the Rabbitohs just have uh, well, love compounded really, I, I suppose, to put a, 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 le- a polite word on it. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, through eleven rounds, like they were leaders, and you were thinking that they win the comp because their attack was real. They were scoring thirty points a game, and their defence was that of. You know, Penrith-like. It was only conceding 11 and 12 a game. So you thought, and the turnaround on those numbers is is so stark. And again, on the weekend, you know, 26 points conceded against the Roosters. Um, as I mentioned, the 13 errors. Um, Cody Walker totally off his game since State of Origin. That's a statement of fact. You know, he hasn't had a man of the match performance. He was man of the match in Origin 3, 
goes back to club form and, and seriously, he's been lucky to be 60 or 70% the player he was in origin. So that's really disappointing. Mitchell didn't play in the last round. That doesn't help. So South Sydney go out with a, you know, with a whimper. Um, and, but the same could be said of the Cowboys, um, Smithy. Um, you know, they, they were on a roll and playing great football and, again, scoring lots of points. And against Penrith the other night, with it all to play for, albeit you know, Penrith of the champion side, but some of the numbers, you know, it was nine line breaks to three. It was 26-0 at half time. And Penrith aren't the biggest offloading side in the competition. They're 21 offloads. So that means that Cowboys' defence was so ineffectual on the front line that you know, they don't deserve to play finals. You know, they're, they're miles off the pace. And there's some real soul-searching to be done. And then I haven't even mentioned Parramatta, who had the bye, of course. The grand finalists of last year have missed mm. the finals as well. So three of the four preliminary finalists from last year, so three of our top four, are not playing finals this year. That's staggering. Well, the great news for us, uh, Vossi, is that you have uh, been appointed to do the Warriors-Panthers game, and uh, it's, it's fairly cool for us over here. Uh, Vossi, tell us um, uh, about our chances here. Okay, you said they're going to win the comp, uh, but there is possibilities. We know we know what uh, playoff uh, football and uh, head-to-head sport is all about on the night as such. What do we have to do uh, a lot better than perhaps uh, let's disregard last week because most people want to disregard that round. I don't. Um, but what do we have to do to get that momentum back against the Panthers? Yeah. What gives us a, a sniff? Yeah, I, so I stand by that. If Penrith play what you're not, you, you, you can't go into the game expecting Penrith to play poorly. You have to make them play poorly. Like you have to make them, force them into errors. Now, Parramatta went with, I've seen a couple of different tactics tried in the last month of the Premiership. One from Titans and Manly, they kicked early to see if they could you know, turn Penrith around, see if that worked. I would call that minimal impact. Had a little bit of an impact, but minimal. Parramatta's offloading game in the first half two weeks ago was, was very good. There's no doubt that put a dent in the, um, in the Penrith defence. And once a few points got on the board, Parramatta's confidence, their, their own confidence, uh, it wasn't so much Penrith's lack of confidence, it was Parramatta grew wings on the back of getting points. So it's, it's easier said than done, but early points. You know, Penrith are the masters of you know, getting first try, 12-0, or, or it being tight for 25 minutes, and yet you look up at the scoreboard at halftime and they lead 20-0. They are the masters of that. So I think the Warriors' best hope, if you could somehow come up with a game plan that says, we will score first, you know, yeah, we'll score inside 15 minutes. So that means they have to come to the game, not just complete your sets and kick, um, early in the game. They've got to come with an X factor, I think, the Warriors. I think Andrew Webster's got the ability to do it, do something a little bit different in that first 15 minutes uh, to try and take control of the game. That doesn't mean pushing passes and all the rest, but, but something out of the box, something to surprise Penrith um, might work for the Warriors. I do think that the Warriors forwards can more than hold their own against uh, Penrith. And then, of course, they have to put pressure on around the halves Easier said than done, but Nathan Cleary, Jack Cogger's there, it's no Jerome Luai, so they can't possibly be at their best. Um, and, and mix up the kicking game. I've seen teams just pepper Tito Taruva with kicks non-stop. No, no, mix it up. Just, you know, Brian Tyler's figured out on his wing, well, no one kicks to me anymore. Well, no, well, let's, let's throw some heat his way then, you know. Let Sean Johnson put up a few Sean Johnson specials early if he gets that opportunity and, uh, and spread that around. So I think there's a few ways, but it's an enormous challenge. Um, but I do believe the Warriors are capable. They've got a coach who's, who's got a team buying into whatever he says. 
And uh, I've just got a feeling he knows the Penrith system inside out. Having coached there, he might just come up with a surprise. Yeah, I, I think he's been, uh, this has been on his calendar for a long time and we, we rate him uh, very, very highly. Broncos, Broncos Storm. Tough, yeah. Like the, the Melbourne record is phenomenal uh, against Brisbane. It's amazing. It's Uncorp Stadium. It really is a, the home away from home. But, you know, I don't know whether Brisbane's had a side this good for a long time. There's a lot of asset, the facets of the Melbourne team that, if I'm taking them on, obviously I fear Munster. You know, I, I fear Grant. I fear Jerome Hughes. And now you've got Ryan Pappenhausen three games into a comeback to the NRL. But the rest of the team, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, it's a backline. Warbrick, might be Seve, um, Tanamapia, Coates, you know. Are you, are you shaking your boots? You know, it's not, it's, there's, there's no English, there's no Billy Slater, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not the great mm. Melbourne backline of, Days gone by, and then I get into the forwards and players like Trent Liero and Josh King and Christian Wells. Like they're all very good players, but I'm not saying they're not great players. So Brisbane's form—they've got to back themselves. It's how really how they handle the finals. If they can somehow get the mentality that it's a—it's just another game rather than you know the expectation of a final. I, I have I have Brisbane winning. Although I will pass on. I had Cameron Smith and Brandy Alexander tipping Melbourne this morning, but I'm, I'm going to say Brisbane open the finals with a win. Okay, that's cool. Uh, you've got Knights uh, convincingly to beat the Raiders, I think, and then that leaves Sharks Roosters. Sharks Roosters on the back of uh, the Roosters over the weekend, and the Sharks twenty four six over the Raiders. Yeah, Sharks weren't very good, uh, really. I like they were okay, and, and no better than okay. I thought yesterday against Canberra, um, yeah, it was and the send off in the last twenty one minutes, and that's where the Sharks got on top. But it was half time; it was Raiders in front six four, so. No, certainly not carried away with Cronulla's form. Roosters probably a tad better going into the finals. I'll go with the momentum. I'll go with uh, the Roosters to beat the Sharks on uh, Saturday night. It might be as far as they get, but that will still have been a, a big effort from where they were. We, we had them as the biggest disappointment of the season there at one stage. Um, and they've come with you know, a great run home to make the finals. So I think they'll get to the second week. I think they can beat the Sharks, which will be disappointing for Cronulla because they went out in straight games last year. Um, so that would be uh, zero and three in finals under Craig Fitzgibbon. But um, no, you've got to tip a winner. I'm tipping the Roosters against the Sharks at the, well, it's a bit of a talking point over here, the 11,000 seat capacity Shark Park. Okay, let's uh, look also uh, then at the Dally M's because uh, now um, players can do no more really as such. Uh, w- w- have, you, have you discussed that at all with your, your, your think tank uh, with Cameron and, and Brandy? Yeah, well, I've only really gone the coach. The actual player of the year, I haven't really... I, I, to be honest, I couldn't even quote you what the numbers were when, <laughs> when they went into voting. I don't follow it closely. What I have seen um, of teams like the Newcastle Knights, whatever the polling was, um, I know that Kalen Ponga is going to be Tom Trebojevic-like in picking up points. The form from Manly there a couple of years ago. Ponga, wherever he was, had missed a lot of football, but he, he's going to get a lot of three points there in the... I uh, didn't play on the weekend, but in the previous uh, eight games that the Knights had won, so there's going to be points for Kalen, no doubt. Dylan Edwards, again, has been exceptional for Penrith. Um, you know, I, every game he'd be a contender for points, Dylan Edwards. He's just so damn consistent. Um, and, and then at the Warriors, I think Sean Johnson, quite obviously. You know, it'd be a beautiful story if, if Sean was to win it. I think a very tight race. Um, 
you know, maybe even joint medalists wouldn't surprise somewhere. It might be, it might be that close. I don't have a standout, I must admit. Um, so it, it could be very close in the race for Player of the Year. And then Coach of the Year, well, I've already gone on record. And, and now that we have a top eight, yeah, you could lay claim and say, well, Ivan Cleary, that's a great effort, minor premiers again. But I, but I really do. I stand by the achievements of Kevy Walters, uh, the achievements of um, Andrew Webster to get their teams in the top four. I've got them as equal coaches of the year. And, and you know, Adam O'Brien might have something to say about that if he gets them all the way to the grand final. But if you've got to announce a coach of the year at the end of regular season, I've got Webster and Kevin Walters um, sharing the award. Well, Vossi, we're so looking forward to it. And as I said, we're uh, really chuffed to find out that you'll be calling our game uh, over here. So uh, thank you so much for your time this morning and look forward to uh, Panthers uh, Warriors Saturday night uh, under the Blue Mountains. Fantastic. And thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, no problems with you. I'm still pinching myself, really. The Warriors are top four. They haven't just made the finals. They haven't scraped yeah. in. They are top four. Yeah. They are getting a home final as well. Uh, celebrate the moment, guys. It's, it's going to be big. Are you- are you are you are you up the uh, and up the wires, man? Are you slightly? Are you thinking about grabbing hold of the rail on the bandwagon? Well, will we hear that in your commentary? My, will we hear? Will you hear actually, you know? for whatever reason, has a soft spot for the Dolphins in their first year. But he admitted last week. He said, "I know the Warriors are playing the Dolphins this weekend. I'm going up the wires. The up the wires thing has been a marketing master masterstroke. I mean, we've got kids over here." Say up the wires, the wires, where'd it come from? It's, it's genius. <laughs> it's, it's genius. It's there for all time. There once was a time you might have thought it, uh, it applied to the Waratahs, yeah? Yeah, look, probably, yeah. Look, I, uh, as I said, whatever it is, it's had in, in, uh, cut through, is the expression, Smithy. They've had cut through. So Warriors have become, as I said to you, don't worry about, yeah, if no one in New Zealand was able to make it across the Tasman to support the team here, there will be no shortage of support for the Warriors in this final series. Yeah, okay, well, it's a huge day, All Blacks in the morning, and uh, the Wars at night, we can't wait, uh, Vossi, and uh, as I said, we look forward to your call. Cheers, man, have a great week. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Vinny, and well done, NRL, for putting it at a New Zealand viewer-friendly time. I think, yeah, give credit where it's due. Um, that is great stuff, great recognition of the Warriors' efforts. Cool. Uh, thanks, Vossi. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Coming in at the right time for us, absolutely perfect. Andrew Voss there uh, out of Sydney, folks. Um, yes, and and Didi, and uh, it's nice of them. Uh, perhaps uh, we've we've earned. Uh, we, I think we earned a few favours by our continued participation during COVID, but we've uh, certainly uh, have uh, really really earned uh, the any sort of favours we get out of the NRL, which are scant, few and far between. It's eleven twenty. Uh, we'll be back uh, very, very shortly with a sports desk, uh, sports desk from Louis. There might be a touch of motor racing in there um, and some other stuff as well. We'll be back soon. Happy World Cup is coming and it's also coming to SENZ. Catch commentary of all the biggest games right here. It all starts September 9th. Download the SENZ app today. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Mm, okay, let's uh, pop across uh, to Louis with plenty of Monday morning stuff to talk about too. 
So much, actually. It's been quite overwhelming. This is reminded me why I don't work Mondays because it's too much for my little brain. Well, uh, Djokovic has broken uh, Gojo. Gojo? Gojo. That was okay. Mm. Gojo. I think that's what we're going to go with. Uh, the first service game of the match. So he's looking in rampant form. 40 love on his service game. So that game might not be on for, for too much longer, which would take something off the agenda. So that's sweet. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki and Coco Goff this morning, Smithy. Fantastic. Two champions of the sport, really. And Coco Goff deserves her time. I think she will have her time. It's crazy. She's been around for so long, but I think she's still 19. Whereas Caroline Wozniacki, she's been around so long. She's made it into the second week at the US Open now in three different decades, I'd guess. The 2000s, the 2010s, and 2020s. So work that out. That's a hell of an effort from a an impressive woman. And interestingly enough, they are both fond of Auckland, aren't they? Um, they have been here at the ASB Classic before, and now she's back playing tennis. I think there's a real chance that we see Caroline Wozniacki back at the ASB Classic in January ahead of the Australian Open. Same goes for the other mum, uh, Elena Svitolina, who, who just went out in the last round, and Gail Monfils. So they are married, and I, I read a story over the weekend that Nicholas Lamperin was working on both of them. So uh, good news for the ASB Classic, one of the highlights on our calendar. Um, on the basketball, interestingly enough, maybe one we hadn't picked up over the weekend. Well, we're into the quarterfinal stage, so they've finished the, the latest of the, the pool kind of stage, so they go to the next phase of the tournament. That's done. But interestingly enough, USA is coming off a loss to Lithuania, Smithy. 110, 104 mm. loss to Lithuania. That is uh, in itself. Uh, it's not the best team that the USA could pick, quite clearly. It hasn't got... No Curry's, uh, no uh, LeBron James's, as you know, no Clay Thompson's as such. But it's still, by world standards, a heck of a basketball team. And for Lithuania to knock them over, that is a terrific result for world basketball. I feel as much as anything else. And uh, the Aussies still floating around. I mean, it's it's been intriguing. It's been wonderful. Australia, um, unfortunately, haven't gone through to the quarterfinals, but they had a, a decent mm. enough tournament, I guess. Or maybe they have underperformed for what their, their team w- would have expected. So Lithuania, Serbia, Italy play the United States. Italy, no easy beats. Germany, Latvia. And Canada, Slovenia, Luka Doncic versus Shea Gilzis, Alexander, and that stacked Canadian side. So those are your quarterfinal matchups. I am fearing for the states here, which, as you say, would be good for basketball. Um, back to New Zealand. We know the Black Caps finally put a result up, so there are still a chance to tie their series over the, in the T20s. Um, what about motorsport? You mentioned it. Scott Dixon can't win the IndyCar Championship now. Pelot has that locked up. Formula One, Liam Lawson. People are now starting to say that let's just let's just move on from this Daniel Ricciardo lark and let's just lock Liam Lawson and that is the highest place on the grid. The second Alpha Tauri car has finished this season. So um, there you go, Liam Lawson, proof in the pudding. He is an absolute freak. And speaking of freaks, Courtney Duncan, fourth World Championship women's motocross. I mean, this is she won three in a row. Then COVID came along. This is unbelievable. She is a true unsung hero of New Zealand sport. She is, and we'll perhaps uh, talk to her about, uh, uh, or either her or, or maybe to Greg Murphy about her success, actually, in uh, the motorsport slot tomorrow morning. Uh, it certainly should not go unnoticed. In fact, Murphy will have uh, a lot to talk about, particularly 
with uh, Liam Lawson's showings as well. I, I I just think this is amazing for his confidence. Last week, uh, of course, uh, 13th, and then they turn around and say, well, uh, Danny Ricardo's still got this arm situation. Uh, 11th, and uh, maybe one more drive if uh, Ricardo's not fully fit enough to uh, handle the situation next time around too. So uh, talk about make hay while the sun shines. Uh, this young fellow, Liam Lawson, has done that with huge, huge raps and, uh, again, creditable performances uh, in IndyCar racing, as you say. Scott Dixon, uh, third. Um, <coughs> Scott McLaughlin having uh, secured a frontline position. Not quite as uh, so impressive and would be a little bit disappointed. Marcus Armstrong uh, at one point was uh, sitting in uh, the top eight and then uh, all of a sudden this uh, horrific pit stop. Uh, <laughs> where, the th- Honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm sure it has happened hundreds of times in the past, but you know, he, he gets the thumbs up from the guy in the front of the crew uh, of the car on the left-hand side, the thumbs up to say, you're out, you're done, we're finished with you. And the next minute he looks out the right-hand side of his car and his right back rear was running past him. And the car's just sitting there on blocks almost. Pathetic. Uh, so as you say, <laughs> someone, will, someone will be paying for that. Um, and I wouldn't perhaps pay for it as much as it had been maybe Palau or maybe Dixon. No. Yeah, you right. If it was going to happen to anyone, well, I think for the bloke who did it, um, he would have been hoping it was Marcus Armstrong. Last one from me, Smithy. Mm. It's, of course, NRL finals this weekend, which means it has to be the AFL finals this weekend as well. So just when you think right. super, the Super set, Saturday of sport can't get better, well, it actually starts Thursday. So Melbourne Collingwood play in that first um, finals matchup. I mean, that's just going to be unbelievable at the G. So they will get a second chance, whoever misses out there. Brisbane, Port Adelaide, uh, they'll play in the second, second chance game. That's Saturday night. That'll be up at the Gabba. We've got Carlton, Sydney. So Carlton's first finals perf- uh, appearance in, I think, 12 years or something like that. Carlton, Sydney, that's Friday at 9.50. That will be ECG, I think. And St Kilda, Greater Western Sydney, Saturday, 5.20. So those are your eight that are in the AFL finals, and that all gets underway this weekend as well. So it's um, it really is a, a super Saturday. Cool. Okay, Louis, thanks for the sports desk there, of course, courtesy of Polaris. Plenty of promotions on at the moment and uh, plenty of accessories and freebies to give away with their beautiful uh, side-by-side vehicles. It is uh, 11.33, slightly late going to the news and slightly late to say please ring us, 0800 150 You go into the Friday freebie, which is a big Group 1 weekend this weekend as well. Uh, you may want to put a horse uh, as part of your Friday freebie. Or we've got uh, some magnificent sport on offer uh, that we can uh, offer a part of a multi and if you are successful. So, uh, yep, uh, get on the blower now. Brian's waiting for the calls and uh, Louis has got the questions all sorted out. In the meantime, we shall head across to the newsroom and find Araha waiting for us. By Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Right, 11.35. Let's uh, get stuck into the first one for the week as we head towards... Uh, the Friday freebie, but don't forget, uh, every day we'll be giving away uh, the Arepa Drinks Pack as well. So, uh, Louis, who have we got to lined up today? What are the topics in order? The topics, well, we'll tell you who we've got first. We've got Todd in Queenstown down there in Central Target. Uh, g'day, Todd, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. 
very nice. Okay, what would you like, mate? You can take on basketball, you can take on cricket, or you can take on football. Uh, I'll give basketball a nudge. Thanks. Mm. Oh, this is an interesting first question, actually, because there might be another version of these guys needed. What was the nickname given to the 2008 United States men's Olympic basketball team? As uh, the Redeem team. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Absolutely. They were a team. Hell, that was a dream team compared to the, the dream team they've got at the World Championships. My goodness me. Okay, 1-0. One 1-0 no. One no to Todd. Staying international. Two Tall Blacks were equal for the most points per game for the Tall Blacks during their FIBA World Cup campaign. Can you name one of those players? Oh. I have to say probably Finn Delaney. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Do you want to have a crack at the second just to flex your muscles on Smithy? Uh... One of two. It's either Ruben Tarangi or Shay Ili. Yeah, correct. Mm. It's, it's Ruben Tarangi. So yeah. there you go. Ruben Tarangi. There you go. Okay. Good knowledge. Ah, oh. uh, uh, and whoa, they came mighty close to adding to this figure, didn't they? How many NBL championships have the Breakers won? Four. <laughs> Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. It's a procession. Yeah, well, I could have uh, gone out and washed the car, couldn't I, during that? It was just ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't even feel bloody weird. And so I just mopped the, mopped the floor with us. So, don't you wait, Todd, uh, what a classy start to the week that is in terms of this competition. So, you are automatically uh, in the draw uh, quite clearly for the Friday freebie, and I'll be scared of you if you are. And also... Uh, we will have the uh, Arepa drinks uh, on their way to you down south as well, mate. Have a uh, terrific start to the week and uh, have a, a really cool uh, week. Okay, well, I've got to ask you, um, do the All Blacks go hell for leather and try and beat France or do we hold off in the hope of playing someone else? And what about the war- uh, the Warriors? Uh, I think, I, oh, no, you've got to go and try and beat them. You know, like either way you're going to get a tough quarterfinal. So, yeah, and Warriors, yeah, upset this weekend. Warriors upset this weekend. My God, what kind of show are we having next Monday? It'll be wall-to-wall wires, wall-to-wall wires if they can get up and beat Penrith, I promise you that. Uh, Todd, have a, have a terrific week, Mick. Thanks for taking part. Thank you. Cheers, uh, Todd, the winner down there. Uh, and uh, Brian will get his details. And uh, we'll move on uh, to uh, the next segment of the show, Louis, which I think we've uh, got a number of texts to read out there. So I think we'll get stuck into those when we come back. Second time I read that out, actually, and uh, I'm not sure about that. Warriors over All Blacks all day, says Sam. That's my preference. Uh, Pete says, how many of those Southland boys will be there playing for the Stags in a few years? Well, wouldn't it not be nice to say that? Uh, a lot of them will. There's a couple of uh, very famous names involved in that team. Uh, there's a Dermody name in there. There's a Rutledge name in there, just for a couple of great Southland rugby names. So many doubted the boys. 
That's what Mark's saying. So many doubted the boys, but they dug in and fought to the end. Uh, that is uh, fantastic news. Uh, is EPL fans uh, will be uh, interested in the results over the weekend, but um, uh, three overnight, in fact. The Crystal Palace beating Wolves 3-2. Uh, Liverpool accounting for Aston Villa 3-0. Very comfortable there. And uh, Arsenal, who look uh, genuine contenders again. Uh, over Manchester United 3-1 so again for Ricardo's boys not the, the happiest start to the season top uh, 5 sees uh, Man City on 12 unbeaten after 4 Tottenham, West Ham, Liverpool and uh, Arsenal on 10 points as well and down the bottom uh, it's those promoted teams which are looking likely to be under threat right from the get go Sheffield United 4th last, Everton 3rd last, Luton Town and Burnley Second last and last, none of them have registered a win as per so far. So uh, some slightly worrying signs there, uh, Louis, uh, in all honesty. And and the Farah Palmer Cup, uh, just to review those scores as well. Uh, Auckland 29 over Waikato 22. And Manawatu very convincing over Tasman 73-10. Northland 29, Otago 19 and uh, Canterbury 59, Hawke's Bay 29. So... Yes, um, pretty interesting. Mm. Although uh, Waikato would be Waikato would be disappointed uh, with not playing three champions in the FPC. Yeah, uh, you're right. Actually, and uh, Canterbury earned the right to host Auckland this weekend. I'm pretty sure at Rugby Park down here. But um, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a good point around Waikato. They've been a strong union for a couple of years now, and playing really good with a lot of black ferns in amongst that group as well. I don't want to throw a hand grenade out with 12 minutes to go on the show. But maybe I'll just let you simmer on this one. And being the the doyen and the the boss, you you can choose when we throw this out and proper. I had, somebody asked me on Twitter, as I pointed out that this Saturday is Super Saturday. Somebody asked me and said, "Louis, what would if you could only have one? What would it be? An NRL Premiership for the Warriors or a Rugby World Cup for the All Blacks?" And I said, 10 out of ten days of the week. Well, that'd be seven days of the week. Ten out of ten times." It would be the Warriors for me, but I don't think that would be the national consensus. And they said, no, I'm pretty sure it would be the national consensus. And then sure enough, a couple of people said, no, absolutely not. What would you suspect the national consensus would be on that? Is rugby still in our communities, especially in the rural regions and the regions enough that the Rugby World Cup and the All Blacks Manor and the, the, the mystique around the, the black jersey, winning a World Cup is still the most important thing to the average Kiwi sports fan? Yes, I would say it was. Uh, and will, uh, still is, was and is. And um, I'm sure it probably still will be for quite some time. But I will say this, the margin's closing. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you gauge that just through talking to people. Um, you know, I've up until this year, I'm absolutely a, a rugby man through and through uh, with a, a genuine interest in the Warriors, but more so... Um, not such a passionate one. This year, I've turned uh, in that respect. Um, I, I'm probably 50-50 now, um, and I'm, I'm glad we are, have the ability to watch. What, if, if we won, if we were torn between, I'd probably uh, watch the All Blacks and record the Warriors, but the, the gap's closing, if you know what I mean. There's a genuine, genuine turnaround. Uh, but, you know, if I ask someone at the bottom of... Um, in Invercargill or Gore or Bluff, in mm. all honesty, right now, and I get, I, I guess that's the point you're making overall. Yeah. And and the 
the proof of the pudding will probably be in the viewing audiences this weekend. It'll be, you know, by by midnight Saturday night, uh, we'll know who watched uh, who watched both, uh, and what percentage of people watched both, and what kind of audiences watched both. Uh, and in terms of the comparison, I, I look, <coughs> I, I wouldn't be able to pick it. I'll be perfectly honest. But anyway, uh, I know uh, what the, the bloke we're about to talk to who's hosting the show this afternoon, Sam Hewitt, will say. Um, he'll be wires through and through. In fact, he'll have to be watching it pretty closely because he'll be calling it Sam Hewitt next.